Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Secrets, cover-ups, and strange phenomena. UFOs and ideas that challenge reality itself. All these mysteries, all this time. Are we ever going to get to the bottom of these? My name is George Knapp. I dig into news stories that others can't or won't. I'm Jeremy Corbell, and for some reason, people tell me things they probably shouldn't. And this is Weaponized. Weaponized. This is Weaponized. Welcome back, everyone. I'm excited for this. So we're doing an audio uh, episode this time. Jeremy, tell the folks why. It's a lot to catch up on for everybody. There's high debate about what it is that we're seeing in the last drop that we did. And look, it it takes at least 14 days for media to even be alerted sometimes to new information that comes out. So in between some visual episodes, I think it's really important we are current and up to date and bring people to a place where we give everybody time to do their analysis. Yeah, we dropped a little bit of a bomb in that last episode, the the, uh, Baghdad phantom images. You know, and of course, people immediately griped about it because, hey, we had to sit through this whole episode about Storm Area 51 before we got to the good stuff, like uh, accusing us basically of burying the lead, which I guess, you know, you can make that argument. But I, I think we should tell people, you know, we were deciding that at the last minute. We were always going to do an episode about Storming 51 because there are current events still related to that. And it was a cool episode to begin with. And then we're in the studio and we figured, well, you know, maybe we should drop a little bomb and give them a little bonus at the end. And that's what we did, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of the cool thing is that was actually one of my favorite episodes that we ever did. And I I didn't know it was going to be until we started talking about it and all these memories started flooding back. It ended up being something, the the last episode, so we're talking about episode number seven of Weaponized, Storming of Area 51 and the Baghdad Phantom. So what was cool about it is we got to kind of revisit the importance of that event. But then also, as we were talking, we were like, huh, there were numerous people that have been messed with in this field. And so it was kind of good to go through the nuances of that. Well, here's the deal. That episode was so important for people to hear about how that went down, what the responses were, what the tonality is of our defense department and also people that are interested in this subject. So for me, it was the most fun episode that we've done to date. Yeah, if you're accusing us of wanting people to watch our episode, we're guilty, okay? We admit we would like people to watch our entire episode and and stay with us. And we'd like them to be there by the time we drop images at the end. But uh, we're not going to apologize for giving this material to the world, unveiling it. I mean, it clearly made quite an impact. It went all over the world. It made national news, international news everywhere. And people are still talking about it. We saw numerous publications cover it. We saw some news networks, but it is just now percolating to the surface. So there's the small world of UFO Twitter where things are hyper-analyzed, which is really good. And and we were asking people, hey, can we get help on this? Can we get crowdsourcing? We have vetted it. We have vetted it beyond what anybody is aware of. However, we do know that the collective awareness and consciousness of people that are interested in this topic is powerful. So we want to encourage people to continue looking through the information. So we're talking about footage. And, and let's get really clear. On the last episode, why some episodes are visual and some can be audio is that in the visual episodes, when we actually release footage or imagery that we have obtained that is military filmed, designated UAP or UFO from our Air Force, 
but then buried within these classified servers to the point where people were so concerned that we were reached out to. And that is how things are sometimes obtained by us is when people reach out. It's not just one person. It's not just two people. It's not just three. And it's not just four in this case. And, and that's what's so important is that it's not like we receive one thing and instantly put it out. We independently both took time to go through the information and more information has come to light since we released it. Yeah, of course, you know, we ticked off people who generally look for reasons to be ticked off about something. So that's no surprise. Uh, we should note that, you know, this this isn't something we made up out of thin air. Uh, the name isn't something we made up. That was taken from an actual report. It is over Baghdad. The object was recorded uh, by a Reaper spy drone, and uh, they used the term phantom. It's it's in, you know, in, in a report that, of course, we don't have access to. But uh, as for, you know, that designation UAP, it's not our call to make. We didn't make that call. We have no dog in the fight. If it hadn't been labeled as such by the U.S. Air Force, we wouldn't be releasing it and telling people it's a UAP. We knew going into this, how people would react, how certain people would react in particular, and that they would have a reaction saying it's a it's a missile, it's a rocket, it's an artillery shell. You'll recall, Jeremy, when I first looked at that image, I had the same reaction. That looks like all of the above of those things. But the decision that it wasn't one of those things, that it's a genuine UAP, was made by people who have a lot more knowledge about this stuff than we do and a lot more information, right? Absolutely. And and that that's the deal. So, you know, let's get a little more specific is that the terminology we use is actually from the file title. And, and so, so that's pretty interesting. So this information that we brought forward was designated UAP, interestingly enough, by our Air Force and then buried. And I think that that's what's important. And how was it buried? What do I mean exactly? Well, well, that's that's going to come to light. But I think right now what's happening is more and more people, well, I know for sure what's happening, is more and more people are becoming aware of this imagery and this file system because we made sure, just like we did with our other releases, that the appropriate people that it should have gotten to, that it gets to. And we did that in a big way at the lowest classification level, just get the information forward internally as well as externally. What I did find interesting, George, and this is like, it's great. The internet did get some things right. What they did get right, a few people saw that what you are observing coming out the back of the object of the Baghdad Phantom was in the exact shape of the object itself in sequential order. So you could see that it's not just a plume or an exhaust heat, but it was actually some sort of visual artifact where that object itself was showing a pattern on the screen. So I thought that was really cool. The internet got that right. Not everybody, but some people saw that it wasn't exhaust or heat plumes. Yeah, I, you know, of course, people grumble. Well, why is it grainy like this? And why isn't it uh, created by a, a, a Hollywood IMAX camera? It's a Reaper drone. It doesn't have Hollywood-style film cameras. It's a sensor system. There's other reasons we can go into later, but we don't know what it is. Neither does the U.S. Air Force. That's why the way it's called a UAP by them, not by us. And, you know, people ask, well, does this mean that the U.S. Air Force is conducting a secret UFO investigation? Uh, you know, I, I, is that what this means? And I, I guess the answer would be yes and no. I mean, they do collect this kind of information, but it's part of the routine part of doing business. They have sensor systems, spy drones out there that are looking for whatever, looking for other things, uh, surveying the landscape, and then they spot these objects. You wouldn't call that a UAP investigation. It's doing their job. So yes, the Air Force does gather this kind of information, but I wouldn't call it a UFO or UAP investigation since, as you told us, it doesn't go anywhere. That was the real point of releasing these images. They do collect it. They do get this stuff and they stash it somewhere and it never goes up the chain of command, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I wish that they had some cohesive Air Force participation and investigation into UAP. And we are very clear that if they do, they are not sharing it with our intelligence communities or our other branches of the armed services. But I wish they did. It's time to start sharing because people are being called out. Now, you mentioned a sensor system and this not being a Hollywood cinematic camera. It's better than that. This is thermal imagery. So to be very clear, this is showing 
heat signatures. If you look in the top left of the imagery, you'll see it says white hot, W-H-T. You're seeing no plumes, no exhaust, no propulsion, no reactionary heat signatures, not a rocket. That is correct. Also not a missile. That is also correct. The theories people have come up with to explain why this object was cold without any discernible heat exhaust coming out the back is hilarious. They started with this idea, well, there must be lots of bombing going on. So the ground is really hot because of bombs that have exploded. Now, oh, okay. That's logical. Then, that, that by the way, there would have had to have been a lot of bombs. Then when that didn't fly, they were like, oh, the ground must be on fire. Like the whole ground must be just beyond fire, you know? Yeah, those raging wildfires there in Iraq, the thick vegetation in Iraq that burns so brightly. Yeah, on the sand. So so that was an interesting one. And and it's, it's just so funny to see people do these, these mental gymnastics to try to dissuade people to not pay attention to what's right in front of their eyes. Now, I will say we are thorough in our vetting, but also as information comes in, if it's something prosaic, then we can we can report on it. How great would that be? The problem is, is that we've recently heard from an individual who is extremely familiar with this event, and not just one, numerous, but one stuck out. And this one really struck me. The individual is like, I don't know who your sources are. Don't want to know, but they're good. And, and he, I can say, he said, we had every sensor package known to man and God on this thing. Couldn't determine where it came from. Couldn't determine where it left to. Was not a rocket. It was not a missile. So, so that was that was very interesting. But, but also, if people look at what we wrote on weaponized on the website, you'll notice there's a little bit more information than you just get out through some of the media, the excellent media articles, by the way, like the one in the Daily Mail. Those guys smashed it. Super accurate. Verified everything with me. But you'll see additional details. One of those additional details, there were three. One of the additional details was that this was not an isolated event that was occurring within this 24-hour period. So I will say that there are other videos and images contained surrounding this event series. And I think anybody who has access internally to this kind of stuff should look into it. And hopefully that stuff can become public. It should be public. It should be transmitted up the chain of command and go to Arrow. They should have it in their files. We happen to know that they do not. I know that uh, folks made the obligatory calls to Susan Go to get her reaction. And of course, she can't confirm it or say much about it because she'd never seen it. I don't I'm not sure their their reading comprehension is all that great if they didn't pay attention to that basic fact in our weaponized episode. I mean, that was the point of us releasing the information. We are not calling it a UAP. We did not do that analysis. We have no particular expertise. That was the US Air Force that did. And there are other images, like, as you said, uh, in, of a similar type. And that information should be going up the chain, make its way to Arrow, and make its way to the American public and to Congress so they can all see what information is being gathered out there. Uh, and it's not happening. That was the point of the release, or the main point. That's right. And so we we do now know that they are aware of this, this imagery now because we made sure they had it. But But at the time before, to the best of our understanding, they were not. The idea is we don't have any responsibility to put things out. But what we are trying to do, I think collectively I can say this, is we're trying to inform the American public to say, hey, this is an issue we're all interested in. This is stuff that's been hidden. This is stuff that should come forward. So, so now I would say that at least Arrow knows for sure that there's a set of file systems that they need to have access to that people are concerned have been buried. But the concern goes much larger than just the image here, the Baghdad Phantom. And there will be a story that you and I will be breaking about this, which is that there's a much, much bigger concern about information flow and about how certain UAP are either fired upon, not fired upon, 
or how that information is absolutely whitewashed and buried before it ever gets even to CENTCOM. And that is a big issue. That's central command. That's where a lot of the information is supposed to go to be kind of hyper-analyzed and coordinated with action. So this is something that will be a developing story that I think you and I will continue to talk upon. But look, just backing up, the Baghdad Phantom, not a rocket, not a missile. If you haven't gotten there yet in your logic, then it's really time. And this might take a while to untangle this web, but it is a powerful set of imagery that I think will be appreciated in due time. You know, we've released a lot of images, uh, photos and videos over the past couple of years, and we're getting pretty good at predicting how certain people are gonna react, how the general public will react, how the UFO UAP community, UFO Twitter folks would react. And I think uh, I think we got it down to a science. We got it down to specific people what they're going to say, how they're going to react, the knee-jerk kind of things and comments they're going to make online. We should we should label this episode "Smash the Trolls" because <laughs> that's what's on our minds. But but I think we have to remember the majority of people that are coming here to our podcast to to hear and listen about the UFO topic and other things that we'd like to cover. They don't read these little circles of Twitter. This is such a small bubble. Now, it's an important bubble. And I want to give everybody credit that are online talking about UFOs. It's an important bubble, the hyper-analyzation, the battles that go on. But the whole point here is to bring the general public, people that are just tipping their toes into the water, that don't know about things like Bob Lazar. They don't know about things like what happened with Congress and Senate and the whistleblower laws. That is really who I personally think needs the most education. So that's who I'm talking about. With that said, we will dedicate a few minutes of this show to smashing trolls. But right now, I'd love to talk with you a little bit about AlienCon. It's this cool event put on by A&E or History Channel or all of the above. And it really was cool. You and I don't do a lot of public things, especially after COVID. I mean, really, maybe that's the only one we're doing this year, but it was like a convention, like if you think of Comic-Con, but for, for alien stuff. And I got to say, it was fun. It was so cool to meet everybody there. So I want to talk about that a little bit. I've been going to these things since 1990. I, I don't know how many I've been to, certainly over 150, I would think. Uh, but, and some of them are pretty good and some of them not so good, but this was really impressive. I mean, it was it was really well organized, like a machine. I, we had security guys guiding us around and getting us to our events. I guess maybe that was not for security. It was yeah, I think, I think that's because we were pretty lost all the time. Yeah, and interesting speakers and panels, a really big crowd. I don't know how many uh, attendees they had at the end, but it looked pretty big. And, you know, I know that at least one of our appearances generated some heat on social media. Uh, there's a guy who says he only showed up because he was, he was forced to, that's the only way he could ask us any questions and got into the, uh, the USS Russell, the pyramid video. That's pretty famous. I, I think it's, it's kind of totally surprising. He'd whine about that. You know, I was forced to attend a UFO conference to cover UFOs, which is the only job he seems to have. Uh, you want to talk about that exchange? Not really. It was so oh, stupid. Okay. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, here, here's the deal. There were people in that audience who had really cool things to say, important things to say, important questions. It, it was, I really want to give credit to those people that, that came forward and really asked smart, non-leading questions just to try to get some out of context quote from me on something. When, when people were already there at the conference that could speak for themselves, right? So, you know, look, we can always look at the things where people make the most noise, but it's it's not the people that make the most noise that have the most important opinions because contrary to popular ideologies, not all opinions are created equal. That That is just true. Well, I'd say the two biggest and most important opinions about the Pentagon's uh, UFO UAP task force, the UFO images that we've made public over the last couple of years, the two most important opinions belong to two guys who showed up at this event, Jay Stratton and Dr. Travis Taylor. Jay Stratton had been the head of the UAP task force. He basically created it even before it was called that. 
uh, before it was authorized by Congress. He's the only person in history who had worked on OSAP and ATIP and the UAP task force. Jay Stratton, we introduced him to the world a couple of weeks ago in an earlier episode of Weaponized. First interview, first public comments he's ever made to anyone. And he's there at this event. He was on stage three or four times answering whatever questions he could. There are still some limits on things he can't say uh, about cases that have not been made public, about things that are really sensitive. But in general, he answered every question there was, including about some of the images that we've made public, the USS Omaha, the USS Russell, those 10 warships from July 2019. Jay Stratton blew people away, I thought. Yeah, it, it was so cool. You know, I, I didn't know what it would mean for somebody like Jay Stratton. And, and you, you list all these acronyms, and we've gone over them in other episodes. But for people that don't know, these are acronyms of verified UFO study programs within our military and Department of Defense. That's what George just listed off. Now, we have said before, there are others not known to the public, but these are the ones that are that are now public that everybody knows about if you've been paying attention. So to have Jay Stratton, who is involved with all, the three that you listed, up on stage at some convention about UFOs, I mean, I was like, is this really important is this good and i realized after man i was wrong I, I didn't think it was a good thing i was like really you want to do that but then the thing is wow he really has this idea that ufo transparency lowering classification all of this is important for public transparency and public trust and this is not the attitude of everybody that works in these top secret programs he's an impressive person and i think that it takes a little bit of time to when you meet somebody, for example, to really understand their perspective. So it was so cool to see this guy on stage at AlienCon being interviewed by you about the specifics of things like the 2019 UFO swarms, which we covered in episode two with John Gutierrez. It was really cool to see him talk about it. And they could talk specifically about some of the questions the public has had about the imagery and footage that we obtained and released. It was interesting that the gripers who look for some reason to whine uh, are complaining uh, that it demeans Jay Stratton and Travis Taylor to be at an event like this. There they are. They've investigated UAP incidents, images, analysis uh, cases uh, for the U.S. government, they were deemed as experts by our U.S. government, given the job of doing this stuff, and they agree to show up at a public event where specifically the audience is made up of people who are interested in the subject matter or want to know more. Why is that a bad thing? I don't get it. Well, you know, look, okay, maybe we should just get into this and get it out sure. of the way. Obviously, you are aware that individuals gripe at us online. And for me, I'm just like, I don't even read it. Like, I don't even, the only the only time I find out about it is when my quote unquote friends, meaning like my family or my mom, send me screen captures of the, the shit talking that people are doing. I'll jump in once in a while, throw some punches and walk out. But honestly, it doesn't affect me. But the thing is, is you are obviously think that this has damage, that this does damage to the topic. So so tell me what's up. What's going on? What about these gripers? Well, look, I'm, I'm on there because I'm expected to be on there for my job. I'm expected to post material. Mostly what I put up is stuff about animal welfare issues, conservation issues, things like that. I do post UAP and UFO articles. I, I post links to articles, but I don't generally comment. I stay out of it like you. I don't want to get sucked into a vortex and get into some argument that will that never ends. But occasionally I have to read this stuff and it it mostly rolls off my back. I, I try to ignore it. But in, in the case of the reaction to what we put out uh, recently, the, the uh, Baghdad Phantom, I just saw so much nonsense and negativity and misleading information from these folks. So as I said, like you, I try not to wade into those things because it, it's just a time sucker. It takes way too much time and you're not going to change the minds of these people who distort things on purpose. So, you know, you've got the normal group of who will always say, and we, we get to do a good job of predicting who's going to do what. It's a missile. It's a rocket. It's explainable by this. It's a it's a swallow. It's a European swallow or an African swallow. It's a bird. It's a seagull. We know those people are always going to come up with some excuse and and try to explain it away. And when that one doesn't work, they'll come up with another one. 
Um, they're not experts. They don't have access to the kind of information that, say, Jay Stratton and Travis Taylor had. So they're just a distraction uh, from the truth. And they, they come in the way of the general public learning about these topics. We also know there was no doubt that somebody was going to call up Susan Goh at the Pentagon and get her reaction. And we knew what the reaction was going to be. I can't confirm this because she's never seen it. It hadn't been sent to her. She didn't know it existed. The U.S. Air Force had sat on that stuff and didn't send it up to Arrow. You want to stay out of that stuff. You want to avoid the the slings and arrows. But sometimes you just have to get into it. And I did. And I, I as I've told you, Jeremy, many times, every time I respond to some of this stuff, I regret it. Yeah, you've said that every time. And I, I said, get it off your chest. Do it anyway. Yeah. And so I, I wrote, I'm, I write for a living. I'm a writer. I wrote what I thought were some pretty clever things in, uh, in response to a couple of things that were posted. Uh, but people figured my Twitter account had been hacked or I was drunk or something like that. And it was, it was me. It wasn't any of those things. I was perfectly sober. I hadn't been, uh, been hacked. I wrote things that I thought were kind of funny. It starts with our friend, Danny Silva. We'll just say this. Danny Silva is a, a UFO citizen journalist. He's a clever guy. He's funny. He had posted something online. I don't know if you saw it on, on Twitter. A typical Danny. It, it was funny. Uh, he said something to the effect of, I've got a really big secret intimating that it's about UAP. And if you're nice to me, I'll tell you what it is. Well, that's bait. It's a setup line. So I responded and I wrote uh, something to the effect of, hey, Danny, um, you're looking good. Have you lost weight? I love your recipe stuff. Trying to take up on his joke and insinuate that he's going to share this information with me. And people couldn't understand it. They just, they thought I was making fun of Danny, which was not the case. He got it. He understood the joke. Uh, but other people thought I was completely off the wall, didn't get it. Well, Danny posts about his diets. He posts all kinds of weird stuff all the time about strange foods that he makes. So it was humor based for people who know Danny Silva. That's right. Yeah, it's so funny, man. It's like that is so obvious. But that was like the first of like a couple of things where George gone wild, like he must not be in control of what he's doing. So that was the first one that was really funny with Danny. That was awesome. Uh, there was another one, again, from a friend of ours. I, I won't say his name, but he had uh, reacted to the Baghdad Phantom saying, you know, you can't necessarily trust you and I can't trust these guys because they are UAP enthusiasts, which I don't know. It's kind of a backhanded thing. I'm really not all that enthusiastic about UAP or at least the, the world in which the, it resonates on Twitter and other social media platforms. So enthusiast wasn't the term I would use to describe what we do. I still work as a chief investigative reporter for KLAS TV. It's why I monitor this stuff. It's why I post materials in addition to supporting our podcast, Weaponized. So I, I try to keep an eye on that space. And I, I really don't like having my credibility or motives attacked. And I don't think of myself as a UAP or UFO. Yeah, enthusiast. Enthusiast. Yeah. yeah I, it, so I just reacted in a gentle sort of a way to a friend of ours. And I think he he backtracked on it a little bit. And then the third one. Um, well, hold on. Hold on. Let's talk about uh, that for a second. Sure. Uh, yeah. I got a thing to say about that. It's usually the media making fun of the segments that, for example, all go on that do something like Jeremy Corbell. UFO enthusiast. I actually had a funny talk with Joe Rogan about it on on air when we were on. So he goes, he goes, what's wrong with that? I'm an enthusiast. And, and I totally get that. I was like thinking about it. Well, okay, I'm enthusiastic about it. But at the same time, apparently I'm enthusiastic about opening opening my freezer. I'm I've been accused. <laughs> I've been accused of being enthusiastic about a lot of stuff. I guess I'm enthusiastic. Coming from journalism within the, the UFO field. That is a disparaging remark. You are saying that to belittle, oh, you can't really trust this. It's only claims from UFO enthusiasts. What that does is that takes away the 30 plus you know, years of, of, of your work as a reporter who has outpaced everybody on this. That term was a backhanded attempt. I don't know why. I don't know the motivations why. But you let that stand for a little while. And once in a while, you got to correct the record to the core group of people that are really paying attention. You don't let that slide. And, and you simply ask the question and half of it was answered. No, you are not considered a UFO enthusiast. Okay, cool. So what's the point there? The point there is that internally, when we study this, report on this, 
why would we try to demean the good work of other people trying to do it? Because the, the whole globe is affected by these stories. We know that because these stories get out everywhere. So that's the core of it is you can take a little bit some of the time, but you're not going to take it all of the time. Sticks and stones and all that, but lies, misleading, intentional distortion from anybody. At some point, you're going to get the teeth. The third example of the teeth, it's a guy who posts every day on UFO Twitter, posts stuff, content. There is this group of people who are on there every single day and they admonish and they sermonize and they tisk tisk and they tell people they're wrong and they argue about minutia in arguments that stretch on for weeks and weeks and weeks and you would think these fierce warriors of ufo twitter would be able to take a, a little jab in the ribs once in a while but it turns out that they're delicate empaths their skin is as soft as rose petals and they really don't want to get into these kind of discussions. They like to dish it out, but not take it. And all I did was I made a, a joke uh, that was specifically aimed at one guy. And I made mention something about the sex toy industry in China. Uh, these products are made in, in Asia and that Chinese agents might uh, infiltrate the supply chain. Now, it was just a goofball remark, but oh my God, you'd think that somebody's head exploded over that remark. And it was really just meant to be a gentle, just little prod in, in the ribs in reaction to a tweet that said, don't trust X, Y, and Z. Don't trust people who are new to the topic. Don't trust people who've been around the topic, old old timers. Don't trust anybody just because they have a lot of, of, uh, of followers on Twitter. So basically don't trust anyone except the guy who was posting this tweet. So I reacted to it and uh, oh my gosh, it, it was like I, I showed up naked picture of somebody's mom on there. You know, it's so funny to see that because, you know, where people write this stuff that is designed to cast doubt on your reporting and you just kind of like, okay, move off, let, you know, let them do whatever they're doing. But the thing is when that keeps happening, when it's a pat on the back and then it's misinformation, disinformation, subtle words, they keep repeating. Like people like to repeat that we didn't obtain and release information and footage that it, you know, we leaked it, we leaked it. They're trying to use these charged words to try to put crosshairs on us when in fact, as journalists, we are 100% completely protected. And that's what's so funny. It doesn't matter how much noise they make, we're doing our jobs. So, so in this particular situation, I thought it was hilarious because these online rumors, that's, that is what is being spread by people and then they can't take it themselves. I mean, come on, you know, look, you constantly say disparaging things about, you know, reporters, like as if you're patting them on the back and then you say whatever you want and then you pat them on the back, that's poking the bear. Now you keep doing that, the bear got teeth and at some point, bear's going to bite you. And if you can't take the bite, don't poke the bear. You know, look, man, I really wanted to only dedicate like 60 seconds to us talking about trolls because we're already giving them what they want, which is the, the time suck. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I, I wrote things. Uh, I thought it was humorous. I thought it was, I tried to be clever. Maybe I'm not as clever as I think. It was meant to be humorous and delivered to a place where humor is really in short supply. So naturally people got ticked off about it and yeah, let's move on. But do you know where humor is not in, in, in short supply on Twitter is from the Iron Sheik. Yeah. <laughs> it was the, one of the greatest moments of my life just the other day. The Iron, or actually I think it was just yesterday. The Iron Sheik, who by the way, is like, I am a fan of the Iron Sheik. He has a very strategic Twitter account that is just polarizing. I grew up learning the camel clutch. I grew up watching the Iron Sheik on WWE. I mean, he is just an amazing dude. And out of nowhere, this dude tweets, respect the most intelligent Jeremy Corbell, fighter for UFO truth. I suplex all jabroni aliens forever. <laughs> It was amazing. He, apparently, he's accredited with coming up with the word jabroni, which I need to still look up. I don't totally understand, but I think it's like, a, you know, fakers or something. I think that would be one to print out and put in a frame on the wall. 
Oh man, it's so cool. If he ever writes to you in lowercase text, you know it's serious because everything is caps on his Twitter account. I think this episode is going to be going to be called like Twitter UFO Wars or something. But let's move on. Let's move on. There are some serious things that have happened in the news, and I think everybody should be aware of it if you're not already. And actually, maybe I'll play a clip. This is actually pretty interesting. Alarming increase in UFO sightings has the Pentagon's attention. The crafts demonstrate unusual flight characteristics, performance capabilities, technology that to our knowledge defies explanation from any country's top scientists and researchers. The Pentagon notes in their 2022 annual UFO report, in addition to the 144 reports covered during the 17 years of UFO reporting, there have been 247 new reports and another 119 either since discovered or reported, and totaling 510 UFO reports as of August 30th, 2022. Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee says the U.S. government has recovered UFOs, which are currently being reverse engineered. He joins us now along with UFO expert and filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. And gentlemen, thank you both so much for coming on. Congressman, uh, that, that's a, a major allegation. What, what do we know at this point? Well, 1947, I think it's pretty clear there was a UFO crash or a mid-air collision, uh, Roswell, New Mexico, military intelligence, which is a whole lot like um, congressional ethics. It really doesn't exist. But military intelligence comes out and says, we've, in fact, recovered a craft and a saucer. And then the next day, they, they bring this poor uh, lieutenant colonel out and say, oh, no, it was a hot air balloon. Our top pilots in the world are some of our Navy and Air Force pilots, yeah, yeah. and they are, in fact, spotting these things. I've talked to them. They're not allowed to testify in, in congressional hearings. Our military pilots are spotting these, and, and we've seen this. We've seen this reported a lot, but they're not allowed to testify, you're saying? That is correct. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Jeremy, I, I want to talk to you for a second. The, the Pentagon's UFO chief, this is a Pentagon Guy, a UFO chief, the chairman of Harvard's astronomy department as well, both releasing a report on Tuesday where they wrote an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to Earth. You've got the Pentagon talking about the idea of a mothership going above us and sending probes down. Yeah, well, listen, let's get to the crux of the issue here. The UFO phenomenon, it, it's nothing new. This has been with us for a long time. Yep. The silver bullet would be if we have been exploiting these technologies through crash retrieval programs and that sort of thing. These programs, these exploitation programs, they do exist. So I would agree with the congressman here. And first of all, I'd like to thank you, by the way, for your advocacy on this UAP issue. And I would like to also encourage you, Congressman, with whatever power that you do have with your colleagues to do one thing in particular. Right now, we have the U.S. Senate Committee on Appropriations. They have jurisdiction over the spending. We have Senator Patty Murray. We have Senator Susan Collins, who are able to audit these special access programs, such as ones that are held, like you're talking about, at Lockheed Martin. So I would like to include in this investigation, which I ask of you, for example, Lieutenant General Dimitri Henry, you know, he is the current director for intelligence joint staff, J2. They have yeah. authority and management over the intelligence community, and they should be asking questions. If we do have UFO exploitation programs, yeah. right, I'm calling the silver bullet, they should be able to ask of Lockheed and other contractors, what are they working on that goes back to 1947 and the UFO topic. And I feel like Jeremy, you could be very effective. I want to show just something that you have, Jeremy. This is exclusively obtained uh, photos that you have of images over Baghdad, Iraq, May of 2022. What can you tell us about these pictures? I mean, to me, this doesn't look like anything. Why, why do you make something of this? Yeah, because the Air Force classified this in, in a secret archive as UAP or UFO. We call it the Baghdad Phantom because that was part of the file name. This was filmed by the U.S. Air Force Reaper drone footage. This is the first time the public gets to see what the Air Force classifies as UAP. And I think the congressman would also agree this secrecy is corroding trust with the American public. 
we've got to have hearings. We're going to have hearings. I talked to Speaker McCarthy. I talked to the chairman of the Oversight Committee. I'm on that Oversight Committee. That's where it's got to happen. We're going to have hearings. We're going to ask them tough questions. Jeremy, get with me, brother. I want you there. (laughs) All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you. you. Thank you both so much. I mean, you got the Pentagon talking about a mothership. I just, it's it's astounding how much progress we're making on this thing. And thank you both so much for coming on. Good to see you guys. What I wanted to talk about, George, I wanted to talk about why I challenged the Appropriations Committee on television with Representative Burchette, why I did that, why I named those names, why I think it's important, why I mentioned Lockheed, why I mentioned specifically Lieutenant General Dimitri Henry, who is currently the Director of Intelligence Joint Staff J2, who has authority and management over the intelligence community. So can we talk about that little news piece that came out and and its importance of that? Did you see it? Yeah, I I wouldn't call it a little news piece. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) am I in trouble? No, man, I mean, you really stirred the pot here, uh, naming names. I I think that there's probably somebody's ears were ringing and his phone was ringing off the hook. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do. So so check this out. Here's what happened. I was asked to go on a news segment and typically i've been ghosting all that because i've been too busy working on weaponized you know and but they said you know look uh representative tim burchette who's a congressperson is going to be on and it would be a great dialogue and i thought oh yeah i've seen this guy he's he's great like you know he's made some noise and, and i i will happily accept that i never know what they're going to do, what imagery they're going to show behind. They don't tell me anything other than the the bare bones details. These producers keep everything under lock and key. But I thought, you know what? If I have the ear on national television live of a active Congress person that is interested in the UFO and UAP puzzle and has been vocal about it, I am going to take that opportunity for everybody who were interested in this. So what I did was I got on and they were asking about this alien mothership theory from Dr. Kirkpatrick and Dr. Loeb from Harvard. And I I just completely hijacked the question and went right into talking to the congresspersons based upon actually one of our last episodes where you told me the history of how auditing these special access programs can apply pressure to transparency on the on the UAP or UFO topic. You told us a story. You told us a story about Dick D'Amato and about how he was tasked with looking and overseeing and holding the purse strings to these special access programs and how he went after the UFO thing. So that was the impetus for me to be like, okay, then right now, who is it that is the head of the U.S. Senate Committee on Appropriations that has jurisdiction over spending? And it turns out it's Senator Patty Murray, who's the chair, and Senator Susan Collins, who's the vice chair. They have the ability to audit these special access programs, which we know hold these UFO exploitation programs at numerous, and I mean, it is numerous, contractors. Aerospace is one of them. So what I did on the show was I made sure to say their names because I want them to fight for us, to challenge, to encourage them. They might not know that this is so important. I also said the name of Lieutenant General Dimitri Henry, because look, he is a Marine originally. He's a Marine and I have a good relationship with Marines. They tend to be real straightforward people. He's the current director for intelligence joint staff J2, which is the exact same role that Admiral Wilson was playing at the time that he went to go investigate one of these contractors, one of these, we'll say aerospace, we'll say contractors, that was working on these exploitation programs where he was denied access by what they called the Watch Committee. He was denied access as the J-2, which is the individual that has authority and management over our intelligence community. And I thought, how important would it be to name the current J-2 who is a Marine? If that person, that guy, that J-2, Lieutenant General Dimitri Henry, if he got with the Senate Committee on Appropriations, Senator Patty Murray, Senator Susan Collins, and they all together walked into, I don't know, let's choose one, 
Lockheed is the one that I said as an example. And they said, show me what you got. We should have oversight. Man, that would be a coup, man. That would be awesome. I mean, that story went everywhere. That interview, you were there side by side with the U.S. congressman, which is a pretty cool little thing. I don't know. Are you guys best buds now? Is that I have never there? I've never talked to the guy, but he gave me a thumbs up. And I gave him a thumbs up, but I didn't see it when I'm doing the recordings. I got sent a picture and put it up where we both got our thumbs up. Yeah, Congressman Burchette from uh, Tennessee. He's he's uh, really uh, this issue obviously resonates with him. He's made a lot of public statements. He clearly wants to put pressure on the keepers of the secrets to spill their guts and tell the American public and tell Congress what they know, what they've been up to all these years. And I well, here's my fear. I worry that it becomes a partisan issue, that because a Republican congressman is making waves about this, that uh, Democrats then circle the wagons and feel like it's an affront on them. It's an assault on President Biden, uh, that Biden is going to be accused of keeping all these secrets. And then it becomes a, a partisan showdown and we get nowhere. We're about to find out because of the names that you mentioned and the pressure that you and that congressman applied on a national news program, uh, whether or not these people are serious. You know, we've heard from Senators Gillibrand and Rubio. They want to get to the bottom of this. They're, they want more resources for Arrow. They want to find out if there are legacy programs and crash saucers and stuff that's stashed in hangars and, and private aerospace contractors uh, and find out what's going on but uh are they enough is that enough to get the job done they need help from other members of congress other elected officials who are supposedly in those jobs to represent us the the american public and in a larger sense the public of the world that's interested in this mystery so we'll see uh whether the, those pressure points that you and the congressman applied actually work if they want to do their job if there's sincerity about getting to the bottom of this now's the time to get that ball rolling right yeah. And, and honestly, I don't think it can be hijacked by one particular party because there is interest in all parties. This is a bipartisan issue. There are champions for this issue across the way. That's that's what's so interesting. Somebody asked me the other day, actually it was our, our good friend Guts, John Gutierrez. He says, is there an equivalent to a Harry Reid right now, Senator Harry Reid in Georgia's life? You know, are there people reaching out that are interested in this? There's nobody that's going to replace Harry Reid. You know, he came into this with you in 1989 when you told him about Bob Lazar. And I think that nothing will ever replace that. His power, his ability to gently influence, to get black budget funding, to do things that nobody else wanted to touch. However, there are champions. We do have champions across the board that have come forward through individuals to us. And that's what I think is interesting across the board. So I'm hoping that everybody understands this is a problem of oversight and transparency. This is not a political problem to be divisive. And the silver bullet is if we have been reverse engineering UFOs, exploitation programs of non-terrestrial technology. If that's true, that's the silver bullet. So that's kind of why I was hoping to push some buttons and encourage Congress, Senate, as well as the Appropriations Committee to deal with things like this. There was another interview with members of Congress that I saw referenced uh, online. It sounded from that like there had been some sort of a briefing. Uh, a recent briefing of select members of Congress uh, that uh, we were not uh, apprised of. We we didn't get much information on it until this came spilling out. That is encouraging to me. It is encouraging that, A, there are members of Congress who want the briefing, and B, that they're actually getting some information, some of which sounded pretty sensational. Uh, you're right. The, the silver bullet is the, the goods that we have talked about before. Crash saucers, metamaterials, maybe bodies. We have been told over and over those things are real. Uh, that they exist somewhere, that it's likely in the hands of a select group of aerospace contractors, defense contractors, and that Congress should go after them. Whether or not they can find it or not, uh, that's going to be a challenge because these guys have held this stuff for a long time and they clearly do not want to willingly give it up. There are steps that can be taken in the interim, though. There are examples that we have given less explosive than a crashed flying saucer that could be investigated if there's a will. 
I want to return for a moment to the 2019 uh, incidents that we had described off the West Coast. Ten warships buzzed over a period of several days by unknowns, these unknown drones, UAVs, call them what you want. We talked to Jay Stratton and Dr. Travis Taylor at that AlienCon event and asked specifically about the USS Russell and the pyramids. That video that was made public by us is now one of the most famous UAP videos in the world, but you still have people trying to minimize it. And the only way they can do it is it is to ignore the totality of the information that's available. And on that stage, uh, we asked uh, Jay Stratton uh, and his former chief scientist, uh, Travis Taylor, and man, they laid waste to a lot of BS in explaining they have they did this for a living. They're not a twitphologist. They were assigned by the Department of Defense uh, to investigate these cases and to render their opinions. And as they made, they pointed out on stage more than once, they had access to way more information, sensor data, witness statements, way more information than the twitphologists who analyze these videos uh, from their basement will ever have. Back to the USS Russell, even after AlienCon and the statements that were made by our government's finest experts on this, there are folks who choose to explain that away as bokeh. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, look, so first of all, to back up on what you said, so when we're talking about the UAPTF and they are investigating the 2019 UFO swarms, which we were able to break to the public, they had sensor data and people on the ground that they have now told you that you don't have, that we don't have, the public doesn't have. They laid to waste the idea that these were just stars seen through, let, let's call it a damaged optics. They're talking about an artifact in the filming process. They laid waste to it. But I, I think what people are really missing here is that if you can try to explain this away as, as stars through a night vision, you're completely ignoring the information that we first reported on by releasing the from a classified document unclassified slides where on that slide it says there were rangefinders that had them 700 feet which you said to me repeatedly george 700 feet over the the fantail of the ship and not only were they moving with the ship they stopped with the ship and then they continued moving so you're not going to have stars at 700 feet off the Phantom. So people can use that as a distraction. They can say, you can also see stars in the night vision. That's fine. The object that was flashing, not to FAA regulation, by the way, was 700 feet. And there were three of them. That's not something you and I came up with. We weren't there. That's something that was come up with by the sensor data, by the observations from people on deck, by rangefinders. So you can lie all day long about what is seen in that footage is only stars. You can lie all day long. It doesn't matter. Fact is, there were three unknowns that close to one of our Navy warships during a swarm of over 110 of our Navy warships. Let's look at the bigger picture. Don't be an idiot. I would also add this, that if the debunkers uh, if they were not being deceptive and dishonest as they are being by leaving out data that doesn't fit their theory, if they were correct, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. That warship, along with planet Earth, would have been incinerated, burned to a smoking cinder if the debunkers were correct. They claim the images are stars. Well, according to the U.S. Navy, as you just pointed out, as we have reported many times, one of those things was 700 feet above the deck of the USS Russell. Would have been a little bit toasty, I would think, with a blazing sun 700 feet away. It wasn't a star. Dr. Taylor made it clear. Jay Stratton made it clear. The witnesses who were there made it clear. I mean, how many UAP do you need for it to be a legit unknown, a genuine mystery, as Stratton and Travis told us about at that event? Well, th this is the technique of people that want to try to willingly mislead the public is that, of course, you see stars when you use night vision. They're, they're omitting the thing right in front of you that is blinking. This was over the deck, 700 feet. But but look, let's let's back up one step further because we're almost falling into this false rabbit hole dug by debunkers. Let's back up. 
We have more direct eyewitness testimony than any agency, any intelligence agency that has studied this on planet Earth. We also know people that have boarded the ship, which we definitively, definitively proved was not the launch and land point of this swarm of UFOs. It was called the Bass Strait, and we did that with Commander Gutierrez. We did that on that show, right? We have witnesses that came forward, two of them in audio. So if we back up, we see that these little mental gymnastics that are created, they're so obviously false. It's so obviously misleading. And it, it tries to go so myopic that you can't have any peripheral vision. Just back up and look. This event is being taken seriously by our intelligence agencies and by our military. And the reason it is is because these assets, these units, these unidentifieds, these UAPs that had extreme flight characteristics were not ours. They were not U.S. assets. Additionally, it has been determined that these units were not any known nation on Earth. Now, if that's the case, where do they come from? Who controls them? Where did they go? And why is this still a topic? It's a topic because it's fucking important because our military is still trying to figure out who was operating these units. Again, we don't have a dog in the fight. It's not us who's declaring these things to be UAPs. Uh, they are a legitimate mystery after being analyzed by the best in the business. And then we're talking about not only experts in analysis of images, but also people who had access to way more information than the public has seen. Sensitive information from sensor platforms that, that they know about that they can't be released. But they determined that the USS Russell Pyramid was UAP, not bokeh that the USS Omaha Sphere was a UAP, that the Mosul Orb that we dropped in episode one of Weaponized is a UAP, and that the Baghdad Phantom is not a missile, is not a rocket, is not an artillery shell. It is a UAP. If Congress really wants to ask some questions and can't quite get the information about where the goodies are stashed, they can ask some questions about this. And the next time the two guys from the Pentagon come over and appear before Congress in a public hearing, I suspect we're going to have a lot better and more pointed questions asked, and they'd better have better explanations. You know, I have to tell you, when you had Jay Stratton and Travis Taylor, uh, Dr. Travis Taylor, when you had them there on stage, I was just sitting there thinking, oh man, what are they going to talk about? What questions are you going to ask? And I want to thank you because at the end, you specifically said, hey, you know, at the very end, we're all done. Everybody's clapped. And you're like, hey, uh, Jay Stratton, have you seen the image of the Mosul orb? Because I have reported and now it is known that Jay Stratton is the person that authored the UAP report to educate our armed services and encourage reporting about UAP, about UFOs. And I happen to know that that Mosul orb was the first image shown in that audio visual briefing through intelligence communities. And that that briefing at 24 seconds showed that Mosul orb video. And I happen to know, and you asked him on stage earlier that he was the one that told Susan Goff is, I guess is how you say her name, Susan Goff to be honest with the American public. Now, if the person who is dictating policy to Susan Goff was as righteous as Jay Stratton about transparency to the American public now, then all the other stuff that we have released would be immediately authenticated if they were able to find it. And, and that is an issue that somebody like Jay Stratton, thankfully he was in charge, but what is that contradiction in policy from the Pentagon spokespeople about being honest with the American public? But at the very end, the very end of your thing, you said, Jay, have you seen the Mosul orb? And I, I love the way he answered. Clearly, he can't talk about it, even though we know he authored the report. It's at 24 seconds of a 23-minute video that he produced in order to educate the armed services. And he, I don't remember his, his exact words, but it's basically like, I can't comment on that. That's I right. thought that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he is a person of integrity. He's not going to get himself in trouble and cross a line. Uh, I'm sure that there are folks in the government that formally employed him that would like him to cross a line so they could go after him. 
He's a person of integrity who is not a leak to us. He did not give us these images. I think he was probably not real happy that we got some of these things over the past two years or so and made them public. But when we did, when we got them, made them public, and then the Pentagon, Susan Goff, is asked, hey, is this ours? Do, do, is it part of the UAP task force report? Uh, she had to say yes. She had to say yes because Jay Stratton told her to. I think his exact words were, we have to own it. It's ours. It's in the report. We have to be honest. And, you know, several of those images that that were Susan Goff was asked about that we made public. I think she probably was gritting her teeth when she had to go ahead and say, yeah, those are ours. It's from the UAP task force report. But she did it because Jay Stratton was there. There are a lot of reasons why it's it's a loss for the American public and the people of the world that have Jay Stratton no longer in those positions of authority in, in the Department of Defense. Because not only do we lose his expertise, all the years that he spent investigating these phenomena, these unexplained UAP and related phenomena, uh, the, the fact that he has gone and his willingness to actually enact transparency, to give the American public information when he can, um, that is a real loss for all of us. And But um, as we learned there at AlienCon, he and Travis Taylor are working together. They are ambitious. They are dedicated. And they believe that there is progress still to be made outside the realm of government. There are things that can be done in the in the public sector, the private sector, private industry that can shed a lot of uh, light on this mystery. And I look forward to what those guys are going to be doing in the next couple of years. Absolutely. And and so just to be clear with, with everybody listening, and thanks for riding along with us on this uh, mothership here, but check this out. So the Mosul Orb, contained within a classified briefing, but is inherently unclassified. And we were able to get it out to you. And it is a still from a four second video. And the idea of the stills is that our government and our Pentagon and our Department of Defense and everybody should be honest with the American public when they can be. And they can be honest with you now. The fact that Susan Goff was able under Jay's leadership and ownership to be honest with the American public, we now have a major inconsistency. And God forbid that a public spokesperson would be having off-record conversations with certain journalists. That would be borderline, I would say, illegal, if not completely illegal. So if that were to be happening, that would be a big problem. But the, the issue she has on her hands now as the spokesperson and absolutely no problem calling her out because she is the spokesperson. She has a duty to our country. She has a duty to the people that employ her, which are, which are you, by the way, the American public. So the Mosul Orb can and should be confirmed publicly to you. Apply pressure. Anybody listening, it is not off base or out of bounds to apply pressure for information which you should be told. And I am telling you, it is absolutely fair game. Find out about the Mosul Orb. Get that video out. With that said, I mean, look, CNN reported on it. I did a piece with CNN. They did a great job. They reported on it. This is not a secret thing anymore. So with that said, just want to kind of say, first of all, a kind of big thanks to everybody that, that came out to AlienCon. I, I had this really cool experience seeing an angry Dr. Travis Taylor was so encouraging. I was rooting for that guy. Man, he really impressed upon me spending time with him this weekend. This guy's a fighter, man. He's an educated person. But more importantly, he seems to be a very straightforward, science-minded person. We need people like him. Man, he impressed me this weekend. And really, the people that came to AlienCon, it was so cool to meet everybody, to have those brief moments where we could get away and, and meet everybody that came. I Honestly, I had more more fun at a public event than, than almost anywhere I've had before. It was cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I got to do another session with Eric Von Daniken and Giorgio Sukalos. Uh, first time I'd met Giorgio, I had not seen Von Daniken in person since I think 1993. He's 88 years old, very sharp, very funny. We had a great time at that event, but seeing uh, Jay Stratton and Travis Taylor was absolutely the highlight for me because they laid waste to debunkers. They put out a lot of information. And I would say to you, Jeremy, by the way, I wouldn't be waiting uh, at my mailbox for a Christmas card from the Goff family this year. No, I, I think um, there are some people that might be a little perturbed that I am saying their names, but I, I do think 
that it is everybody should be held personally accountable for upholding the oath of, of protecting you know our country but also for being transparent to the people that employ them this is our country and 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 i i really think that i i never expect christmas cards again i already said i think i might be like a sociopath i don't care if people love me or hate me but here's the deal i am excited about some of the upcoming things we have on weaponized of course we are going to break some big fucking ufo stories like that is for sure but we also have we're going to talk to people involved with movies in, involved with comedy involved with philosophy this show for us is a chance to really talk with our friends and people that we want to learn from so just get ready because not every show is going to be visual but also not every show is just going to be 100 about ufos but also expect some big bombs. It's not like we're not working towards a crescendo, George. Yeah, we're going to drop some bombs, maybe some new images, who knows? And we're going to have some conversations with interesting people that, that look at the bigger world, not just the UAP mystery. And I think that our audience, I hope our audience will appreciate that. E either way, it's all cool. We're going to have so much fun. Thanks so much, George. It's been awesome talking with you and having these moments together. Talk to you soon. Cadence 13 Studios, available now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your shows.